Any Disney fans in here by like a show of hands? Yeah, you guys like Disney. Most people like Disney, right? I mean, they, they have so much to offer, right? Like Star, like what's your favorite Disney movie or show or anything on Disney Plus? Anybody? Trippendale Rescue Rangers. Never heard of it, but I'm sure it's a good one. <laughs> DuckTales. Du <laughs> the classic one, not the, the remake. Okay, anybody else? What is it? How do I not know any of these <laughs> Disney movies? You don't know DuckTales. I don't. I know Dragon Tales. I don't know if that's the same, but it sounds like a spin-off. Dragon Tales is a PBS version. Ah, okay. So yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it's all right there. Um, so, so I think they have a lot of really good stuff. Like any Disney Plus people in here? Like, I really want Disney Plus, right? I'm, but I'm looking at y'all. I got gotcha. you. Well, well, here's the thing. I appreciate that. Here's the thing. If I had Disney Plus, I'd never do anything else. Like, that's, that's my problem. I know myself well enough to be like, I do not deserve Disney Plus. So, I mean, it's such a good deal, right? Like, it's so cheap and they have so much. They should give me a sponsorship. But <laughs> I, I can't do it. Um, but I have a friend and he was talking about Disney. He's got kids and his kids were watching Disney movies and he was mentioning how they all kind of end the same you know they, they start with this like brokenness they start with this suffering and they all end more or less happy like everything ends up working okay for the characters um and his concern was like maybe that's setting an unrealistic expectation for these kids like maybe just maybe disney should have some movies where things don't turn out okay like where people just continue to suffer and they mourn and they're depressed or they don't get the girl, they don't become the princess, they don't recover. He thought maybe that it's setting children up for unrealistic expectations. And it's an interesting thought because realistically, sometimes things don't end up okay. Sometimes there's suffering in life and that that suffering just keeps on going. Sometimes you don't get the, the prince or princess. Um, and uh, the people that, that Peter were writing to in First Peter, they, they understood that. If there was a group of people that understood suffering, it was definitely the group that he was writing to. Uh, and today we're going to look at Peter's instruction for them as they suffer, as, as he instructs them how to suffer, how to go about suffering. Um, not necessarily how to get out of the suffering, but, but how, to, how to be while they're suffering. Um, before we get into it, we're going to pray. Dear God, thanks for the forge. Thanks for today, just that we could all come here. And you gave us some sunshine, the first frost of the season, and just how beautiful things become here in the fall and winter. Um, life can be really hard sometimes, and, and you know that. And there's suffering, and we're all going to suffer, and I pray that you help lead us and guide us through that and instruct us on how to live while suffering and what that looks like and what actions to take. Uh, I pray that you give me your words. I pray that your spirit works through me and that uh, people hear your truth. Thank you. Amen. So uh, we're going to be reading out of 1 Peter 2, uh, starting at verse 18. I will have it on the screen for you guys, um, but I'll give you a second to get there if you're looking at your Bible. 
start at verse 18. Chapter 2, 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I know that's a lot, uh, but let's take a look at what it's saying. First, I want to acknowledge something. I want to acknowledge that what this is talking about is extremely difficult. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and say, oh, I'm great at what this passage is telling us to do, which is to endure suffering, and specifically to endure suffering when it's not fair, when you don't deserve that suffering, and when you're actually suffering due to good things that you've done. Um, I know that that's hard, um, at least for me and probably for everybody. <clears throat> but let's look at the, at the first sentence. It says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also the, to the unjust. I don't know um, that any of us can directly relate to this, um, but I think that in a way we can all relate to it. I'm sure in all of our lives we've had to serve a difficult person. And that could look like maybe you're a waitress and you have like an unruly person that came into the restaurant. Maybe you're in retail and um, you have an unhappy customer. Or for me, um, it looks like giving physical therapy to somebody that's just impossible to get along with. Uh, like what I'm saying is even if you're not a server, a servant, to an unjust man, I, we're all called to serve in a lot of different ways. And I think that, it's, that you're probably going to find yourself someday serving somebody that is hard to serve. And I don't think that's necessarily a direct comparison to what it's talking about in this, um, this sentence here, but I want to encourage you to endure that suffering righteously. Whenever you do find yourself in a, in a position of service, and you find that, that you're just serving somebody that's just impossible, that you're just not getting along with, and they're making really bad questions and trying to ask you to do things that are really bad, to, to try to do that in a super good way that's pleasing to God and, and righteous. So enduring, to endure suffering righteously, it, it's a weird statement. And like, what does it mean and what does it look like? Um, should Christians even suffer? That's a, that's a question that I think deserves to be asked. Like, shouldn't we be saved from that? Um, a lot of people think they're, they're kind of like fed this, this not true like form of Christianity where it's like, come to Jesus and all your problems are going to go away. Well, that's just not true. That's, I'm sorry if anyone fed you that, 
those lies, but it's just not true. And a lot of people think that that's how it's going to happen. And the people that Peter were writing to, again, like I said, they knew that better than anyone. That the Christians at the time were being persecuted and killed for believing in Jesus, for not bowing to Caesar. So they knew that being a Christian didn't equate to a cakewalk life, and it still doesn't. Don't believe that lie. So, like, what do I do? How do I go about suffering? You're, you're going to suffer. That's a part of life, and Christianity isn't saving you from that. In fact, it and sometimes might add to it. Let's, look, let's take a look further on how Peter instructs the suffering um, of these people and how to do that. Uh, when you're suffering, be mindful of God. At uh, verse 19... It says, For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So when you're suffering, you can endure it. How do you do that? You set your mind on God. Um, (laughs) yeah so um right uh sorry guys um when so when you're suffering you can endure it and how is that it's by setting your mind on god when you set your mind on god while suffering it's described as being gracious in god's eyes and that you'll endure the sorrows um and what does that look like? I, you can say it all you want, right? What's, what's that mean? Set your mind on God? Like, that, what does that mean? I had a patient, um, and he was, a, he was a bilateral total knee replacement. And what that means is, at the same time, he went into surgery, got both of his knees cut open and replaced. Um, he, did a, he did a pretty good job. He, he put in the work. He got back to work, and then one day, um, he's, he just he couldn't shake the pain in one of his legs. It just wasn't going away, and he didn't know what was wrong. And he came in one day, after we hadn't seen him for a long time, and he explained to us what was going on. One of his knees had become infected, and he had to go back in to the hospital, back in under surgery. He had to get his knee opened back up, he had to, they had to take out the knee replacement and put in a temporary one with a, um, antibiotics. And he had to wear a pick line on his arm with antibiotics to get rid of the infection. And I, I remember the day, and that really broke me. I really liked this guy. I wanted to see him succeed. And he came in, and, and by the way, that, that temporary knee replacement is going to need replaced again. Um, anywhere between like three months and three years, he's going to have to go back under the knife. And, and he knew all this, and he was telling us this, and he hadn't got it done yet. And you know what he told me? I, I, I was pretty bummed out about the whole thing. And he said, the suffering that I'm going through right now is hard, but it points my attention to Jesus and how he suffered on the cross for us. 
And that's it. Like, that's a way to be mindful of God. And I think that's what this passage is talking about. He's taking his suffering and allowing it to point back to Jesus. And not, not only for himself, but he's, he's pointing other people's attention back to Jesus. As we're recognizing his very real suffering, his very real pain, the very real journey that he has to go to, he could take it in, woe is me, but he's pointing to the cross. He's saying, yeah, this suffering... I just have to remember what Jesus did. I have to remember the suffering that he did. I thought that was beautiful. And I don't know that, that I'd be able to do that, to be honest. Did you know when you suffer, and specifically when you suffer for doing good, you're being a follower of Jesus? I, I think... A lot of times when we hear, follow Jesus, be a follower of Jesus, we think of good things. Like, when, if someone were to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm following Jesus, what are, like, examples that, that you would think of that's like, oh, yeah, he's being like Jesus right now? Like, what, what are things that you think of when you hear that? I, I'm actually looking for answers, though. Forgiveness? Yeah, forgiving people. Yep. Slow to, anger. Slow to anger. I like that. Being inclusive. What is it? Being inclusive. Being inclusive, not shunning people out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I, I have on my list here, feeding the hungry, helping the poor, sharing the gospel. Like, I think when we hear being like Jesus and following Jesus, those are the type of things that we typically think about. But when you suffer for doing good, you're sharing that with him. And that's you following the path that Jesus has taken. Suffering for doing good is following Jesus. In verse 21 it says, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. For to this you have been called. That's hard to hear. You've been called to suffer. Not only will you suffer, not only maybe will you suffer, but you've been called to suffer. To follow Jesus is to suffer unjustly. And that's so much easier said than done. But try to hold on to that. When you're suffering unjustly, when you're suffering from doing good, point back to the cross. Realize the suffering that Jesus had. And that you're just following in those steps, that you're being a follower of him. Recognize that you're not suffering alone, but you're suffering with him. He's sharing that pain with you. But Peter doesn't stop there. He goes on to show exactly how Jesus responded to his suffering at verse 22. It says, He committed no sin. So we already see here that he didn't deserve to suffer. He didn't deserve whatever punishment was going to be given to him. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So we, Jesus, we see Jesus doing some things, and we see him not doing some things. And what didn't he do? It says when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. 
In other words, when he was suffering, when he was being treated poorly, he didn't use it as, as an excuse to treat other people poorly. He didn't threaten people. He didn't retaliate towards people that were, that were causing him to suffer unjustly. In fact, it was the total opposite. He was hanging on a cross. People had mocked him, flogged him, almost beat him to death. And what did he do? Forgive them, for they know not what they do, what they've done. And uh, we see Jesus suffering probably more than what any man could ever imagine. And what does he do for the people that caused that? Does he retaliate? No, he prays for them. He hopes that they be forgiven. In the midst of his suffering, he showed mercy. And I think an important part of this is that Jesus knew Jesus knew the plan. He knew the end result. Jesus knew that the suffering had to happen, and Jesus trusted. And that's what it says he did. Continue entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Imagine how different it might be for us if we thought in this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we suffer, if we could recognize God in it and trust him if we could keep our eyes on him not lash out but look up be reminded of jesus and what he did for us and know that he's sharing it with you know that that god has a plan in that and trust that nobody likes suffering and uh just like nobody wants a movie with a bad ending right a sad ending disney knows that and that's why they never end with it uh, and Peter, though, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. They never, you never see a Disney movie <clears throat> that ends with, like, and he went on to continue his struggle with depression and anxiety and suffering until the day that he died. That's not a Disney story, but the reality is that it might be yours. That could be your story. That could be my story. We're not guaranteed a happy little ending at the end of a, a period of suffering. And that's, again, that's hard to hear. But the good news is that it's only until you die. And that sounds like bad news. I know it does. But look at the last two verses, starting at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He bore our sins. His wounds healed us. He's a shepherd and overseer of our souls. You're going to suffer. Life's hard. You're going to follow Jesus in suffering unjustly for doing good. That's going to happen. We've been called to do that. But Jesus has already won. And you can trust that. You can set your mind on that. You can believe that. When Jesus was suffering, he kept trusting God. When you're suffering, keep trusting God. Keep your mind on the Lord. Trust him. Because we already know the end of the story. We already know that it's going to work out for us. For people that believe in Jesus and accept him. We know that. 
So in our suffering, we have to remember that. And we still have to trust that when it's hard. Um, in a second, we're going to uh, split up into some small groups of three or four. We're going to pray for each other. i got two discussion questions for you. I'm going to put them up on the screen. But it's what are examples of when you suffered for doing good? And how do you respond when you're suffering? Those are the two questions. Um, I'm going to wrap it up by praying here. And then, but just stay seated for a second because I have a, a part of a song that I want to play that actually came on while I was, while I was working on this message. And I, I kind of, it just kind of tickled my ear and I, I listened to it. And a lot of the suffering, like the nature of suffering is in that. Like it takes suffering and it takes growth and it puts it together. And um, I was like, yeah, I, I got to play that. So um, the, the bridge is going to play first. And then if you want to, uh, sing the rest of the song. You absolutely can. Um, but let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you that, that you join us in suffering. You don't stop it from happening, but you call us to it. I pray that when that's the case, that when we do suffer, when we suffer for doing good, that that we're reminded of you, that we're able to keep our mind on you, know what you did for us, and trust that it's part of your plan. Trust that we know how the story ends and that we can hold on to that. Trust that it's a gracious thing in your eyes when we set our mind on you while suffering unjustly. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not a normal thing or a natural thing to do but I pray that through your strength, we're able to do it. Thank you. Amen.